0: This is Get Outside With Kids. I'm Jen.
1: And I'm Kate. Life with kids is messy. You might as well take the chaos outside.
0: We're definitely not experts, but we've tried a few things over the years, and maybe you can learn from our messy, muddy mistakes. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Get Outside with Kids. Today, we want to share one of our favorite topics um, that we think comes up a lot. And so we want to really break it down into detail for you. And that is how to find a toddler-friendly hike. What exactly do we mean by a toddler-friendly hike? We're looking at a hike that can be accomplished by someone who is uh, walking independently between the ages of like two to five ish kind of year. So they could walk, but maybe not that far, but they can walk unassisted at this point. You may or may not be bringing a backpack for part of the journey with you, but you're hoping that your toddler will be able to walk for
1: most of the hike at this point. So, when we talk about toddler-friendly hikes, I think about this um, very differently with my second kid, actually, than with my first kid. My first kid wasn't that keen on sort of the independent walking herself. She enjoyed being carried for a long time. She sometimes still does. We cram her sometimes at the age of four and a half into the backpack. and It's a little tight. But my two-year-old, on the other hand, she feels like she definitely wants to be hiking. She definitely wants to be um, on her own, under her own steam and Hiking like a big person. So, what I look for for hikes for her now is probably what I would look for when my older kid was closer to sort of the age of four. So, yeah, we just wanted to share some of the things that we we look out for on the trail maps or on the websites that we're looking at when we're trying to choose what would be appropriate for a toddler with little legs, possibly very little stamina, and potentially some tantrum throwing ability as well.
0: So, I think kind of to start off is if and when you have the opportunity to look for um, a hike that you've done before, a hike that you're familiar with, I probably would start there. That being said, we'll give you some other things to look for because sometimes you do want to go somewhere new and try out a trail that you've never tried before, even for yourself. And so you really just, you know, you want to get out there and explore. Uh, So the first one, probably one of the most important ones, is going to be the length of the hike. So kilometers or miles, whatever you're listening in on, uh, the overall distance. Typically, if you're looking at this sub-five age, I probably say we go between, it's probably two to 5K. And I feel like 5K is probably hitting the limit depending on how long of a day and how long of a journey we're going for. Um, If you're really new to hiking and you're starting out, Pick something super easy. Again, a hike doesn't need to be an all-day event. It can be a one-kilometer walk down a trail somewhere and a one-kilometer walk back. And that's a great place to start uh, to feel like you're taking some things off and then slowly build up the distance from there once you've gotten to know you know your child and know what their legs can
1: handle. Yeah, there are some great hikes that are only sort of one kilometer, but they take you to a really awesome destination. One of our family's favorite ones is called North Beach Trail in Golden Ears Provincial Park in Maple Ridge and that is from the car park. It's only about one, maybe one and a half Ks down to the beach there. But firstly, the trail goes down alongside this river and this canyon, which is just spectacular. And then you get down to this beach on a lake and it's massive and beautiful. And you can see up the lake to these huge mountains and there's lots and lots of rocks on the beach to throw into the water. And that trail distance is is really perfect for my kids at the moment at the ages of two and four, so it takes us um, actually I've got no idea how long is a piece of string really <laughs> depends on the <laughs> time. <laughs> Very, very hard to say how long it takes us to do 1.3 Ks, but we can get down to the beach and spend a long time at the beach then because the kids aren't too tired, they're not too cranky, and we know there's not a huge hike to get home again. So that distance I find really, um, if there's a great destination at the end, works really well for little legs. Now,
0: bear that in mind. Sometimes you can look at a hike that's quite short, What you really want to pair that with then is the incline or the elevation gain. Um, If you're around here in Vancouver, you've probably heard of the gross grind. Now, the gross grind in distance, I think it's under 2K. I don't know. Kate, does that sound like Yeah, it's not long. It's not, not long. long, but it is straight up a mountain. So <laughs> that's probably not a great choice for a hike with a toddler. Uh, by all means, if you want to uh, wear your toddler on your back and test out your legs, go for it. Uh, but that's a case where distance would be deceiving because it's like 800 meters or a 1,000 meters elevation gain, you know, s- literally stairs up the side of a mountain. So it's
1: like a stairmaster. Is yeah. that what it's called? It that's is called the stairmaster. A stair yeah. Master. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. It's the kind of thing that tourists get really excited about doing. Um, When you've been in Vancouver for a while, like the grass grind is fine if you want just a set of stairs, but there are more scenic hikes you can do. Just if you're listening to this and like, oh, I'd love to come to Vancouver and go do the grass grind. There are probably better hikes for sort of seeing a view. If you want the workout, that kind of is how people treat it here. And the view at the top is great, but along the way there's not much else to see. And with kids, it would just be a friggin' nightmare. I can't imagine doing that hike with kids. I've seen maybe a a six-year-old on it. Who was like super hardcore? Yeah, I wouldn't be brave enough to take my kids on that height for many years from now. So, if
0: you're looking at elevation gain, you want to look at something that's maximum a couple hundred meters in elevation gain. If you start getting beyond two or 300 meters, an overall elevation, it's going to be potentially quite steep in some sections. Um, And I mean, we all know that a long flat, a little bit of up and a little bit of down does feel nice. You get your heart rate pumping. It can be fun to climb the hill and then climb back down. But if you're looking at a hike that has four, 500, 600 meters elevation gain, again, if you're looking at a sub five-year-old age, you're probably getting a little bit too out of their comfort zone. Now, again, there are times where there's been a really cool hike we wanted to do that's been a little bit steeper where I know that I've got to have to put one of the kids in the backpack halfway through. So again, you might have to decide like, okay, this is the kind of hike where if they'll still go in the backpack, like Kate said, we'll do half walking half in the backpack and somebody's going to have to huff it up the last bit. And if that works for you, awesome. If you're looking for the kind of hike where you won't be bringing any kind of backpack or, you know, carrier for your kid, then two to 300 is a nice sweet spot where you've gotten a bit of elevation. You're hopefully going to get a bit of a view at the top, but you're not pushing it too much.
1: The thing that I really really look out for in elevation as well, you want to look at not just the overall gain or loss in the trail, but where it starts as well, particularly in the shoulder seasons. Shoulder seasons pretty much the entire year round in Vancouver, except for like two months. So, in the shoulder seasons, the weather can be really, it can change a lot. And it can be hard to kind of get a sense of that when you're living at one elevation, normally down closer to sea level, and you look at the mountains and they might be all kind of socked in. um, And the hike that you want to do, it might be a very flat hike with no elevation gain. But if it starts several hundred meters above of you, then you could be in the rain. You could be potentially in the snow. You could be in the sleet, which is like worst case scenario, disgusting, wet, soggy. So, understanding how the weather changes with elevation is really important. If it's a beautiful clear sunny day. Kind of, it doesn't really matter. But if there's looking like, you know, there's some rain in the forecast, which there often is around here, maybe you're on a sunny holiday somewhere, though, Jen. Maybe you're in some beautiful place where there's not a cloud in the sky and you're looking for a hike. But the elevation, um, it would be useful to know how the weather changes with elevation, even if there's no significant elevation change on the hike that you want to do. That
0: reminds me of we were in Hawaii, uh, I guess, Scott, several years ago now, we just, with just our first child, and he would have been just before two. and on the big uh, national park on Maui, and it's a volcano, and it's really beautiful, and it's really high elevation. Now the hikes up there are flat because you're already at the top of the mountain. You're, you know, you're kind of walking around the volcano. So we get up, you know, you drive all the way up there. It's like an hour to get up. Beautiful views at the top. Now we were pretty seasoned hikers, and we had brought like we were in Hawaii. We had brought toque and gloves and a rain jacket, like we had prepared for the weather, or so we thought we had, because we knew it would be much colder at the top. We get out of the car at the top like all geared up like we're totally going to do this hike. Layer up in Hawaii, pants, sweaters, toques. It is freezing cold <laughs> at the top of the mountain. And like the wind was so extreme like you can barely walk. So we make it like 20 meters to like the, the lookout observatory. Great. And then we're still like, no, 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 no. We have made it this far. We're going to do this amazing hike. The trail's flat. It'll be easy. We have our toddler in our backpack. We are like walking against the wind. Like, you know, the wind is blowing (laughs) so hard. You can barely move. My toddler's like all socked in. He's even got like sunglasses slash like goggles on his face, like goggles (laughs) because it's so windy. And I think after 20 minutes of this, we were like, I don't think we can make it any farther in this weather. Um, And also,
1: what are we fighting for at this point? What are we hoping to experience?
0: We are already seeing the view, (laughs) but it was a good reminder that even in a place like Hawaii, where, you know, an hour ago, we're on the beach in shorts and a t-shirt weather, putting on sunscreen. Now we've driven up so high that even though I knew it would be colder, we were still not prepared for that extreme weather. So the trail looked okay. The elevation of the trail looked okay, but it was the starting point of the elevation that was just too high for us to go on with.
1: One of the great things, I think, that if if you have the option available to you in the summertime to be able to kind of get over the elevation challenges, you know, obviously a two-year-old can't climb a big mountain, But a lot of ski resorts do have their gondolas and chairlifts running in the summer. So, you can get all the way up to the top of a mountain. So, if you're kind of like me and probably you, Jen, going to take a wild guess, you're kind of craving that like mountaintop experience where you feel like you're on top of the world and you can look out and you can see all around you and you can see, you know, hundreds and hundreds of mountains and trees and everything from the very top you don't have to climb all the way with a baby on your back. I mean, you can in most of them or a toddler trying to walk alongside you. But in that case, you definitely want to check the weather at the top because I have certainly had that similar experience you've had, Jen, where you you either, in your case, you drove up the mountain. We have taken chairlifts up the ski resort kicking horse, which is in Golden in the interior and gotten to the top. And it was so (laughs) It was so cold and you pull out the little sweater, like you said, you have for a baby and you're like, yeah, this isn't going to cut it. Like they're not they're not moving enough in this weather even and that was on a beautiful sunny day same as you so in those cases they normally have a weather station at the top um or you can ask at the bottom before you go maybe you've packed an extra sweater in the car or something that you can take with you so it's not it's not immediately obvious because it can be really sunny but um definitely worth checking the, the temperature change as you climb up the mountain
0: and speaking of climbing up a mountain i think that takes us to one of our next ones uh and that's safety so of course hiking anywhere in the mountains or on any train, safety is always going to be a top feature. And there's lots of different websites you can look at for safety. So there's a few different safety points we might go through. And certainly if you're looking for backcountry safety or something more uh, on the extreme side, um, here in BC, we have Adventure Smarts uh, and you can look at their website or any of our avalanche sites. But let's dial that back down to like a toddler level safety feature, what you might be looking for. Um, there are things like, there are some hikes that have just logs for crossing bridges. Some hikes have like nice suspension bridges that are quite safe. Other hikes, again, depending on the maintenance of the trail. I've crossed some that had some pretty sketchy like river crossings. Remember that one that we did in the States with the freezing cold river we had to cross like a hundred meters in, uh, in Mount Baker.
1: <gasps> oh my God. Like pre, we didn't have any kids with us, we didn't right? Have-
0: we were hiking just the moms that day.
1: But yeah, we had to get like deep in the water. In the middle of summer, the water was like colder than anything you've ever imagined. And that was like the beginning of the hike. Sketchy.
0: So if we'd had kids with us, we could not, like a t- toddlers could not have walked across that river crossing right in the beginning. So there are sometimes features like that where as adults, it was okay. I mean, it was very cold, but certainly I t- I t- we would not have put our toddlers to walk to cross the open river crossing, would not have been safe. Uh, so things like that, like, is there river crossings that you need to go through? Does it say anything like, yeah, you'll just walk across this slippery log to get to the other Side again with a toddler, probably not the safest. There are things like uh, we were down in the states again many years ago with just our our oldest child, and we were in uh, the Grand Canyon and in Zion National Park, and so lots of hikes there in Zion specifically. There's one called Angel's Landing. Now three quarters of Angel's Landing quite safe. We got to the beautiful lookout point where you could look out. And then the last part of Angel's Landing, very not safe, very dangerous. So I walked back down. This is when my toddler was still in the backpack for the most part. So he was in the backpack with me safe. My husband went and did the epic lookout at the end. I did not get to go because somebody had to turn around with the toddler. So sometimes you could find a compromise, like we can hike to a certain part on this trail and still enjoy that experience. But there is kind of that make or break point where we're going to have to turn around from a safety perspective because it just wouldn't be safe enough to
1: to carry on from this point. I mean that you mentioned that hike, Jen, because I actually, when I was a kid, my parents traveled with us quite a lot and we actually traveled to the States. I'm from Australia and we traveled to the States and did that hike when I was seven. And it's become a family joke in our house that it was basically like my mom's worst possible nightmare because I was only seven. My siblings were older, but my mum freaked out because she said it was so dangerous. And we all thought it was hilarious because we were kids. We're like, oh, mum's so scared. Oh, mum's so funny. Remember how she freaked out about that? Hearing you say that now, I'm like, that does sound pretty sketchy. (laughs) And
0: Mom was right. She was right.
1: <laughs> now that I have my own kids, I'm like, I probably would have been my mum. So interesting perspective there. Maybe I should go and apologize to my mum. If you're listening, mum, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I think I've seen um, similar, you know, similar decisions have to be made on hikes around here, like the chief, which is not it's not toddler friendly. Yeah, I guess what you're looking for then with safety is you're looking at the, you know, sort of water features that are around. Is there fast moving water? Is there steep drop offs to it? Are there big cliffs? Where does the trail go relative to that? And as many photos you can see of that kind of thing to help you decide how how far away you can keep your toddler from that area. But the thing that I do really like about features, like I mentioned, is having somewhere to aim at and somewhere to go. So, for example, you and I, maybe when our kids were still being carried a little bit, but they could walk part of the way. So, there's a hike called Jug Island in Belkara, and that is, it ends at a beautiful beach where you can, you know, have a rest there, eat your lunch, have a swim. And it's really nice to have a clear destination like that. I find loop hikes with kids without a clear destination where you can stop and have a snack or a break a little harder kind of mentally for me to sort of think, what are we aiming at? And if we're not, you know, exactly halfway around when we stop for a break, I might start to be like, we're not going to make it. (laughs) how I think. So, having like a lake you can get to or a a lookout point that's safe um, or a beach where your kids can just sort of run around for a bit and play can be a really nice feature to kind of aim at.
0: So, another point on kind of what we're looking for, and this one, if you haven't hiked with kids before, it might seem more obscure, but then once you hike with kid once, you'll be like, oh, I see why this is important. Um, And that's parking. Now, why is parking so important? Because you want to park as physically close to the trailhead as possible. So pre-kids, there are some hikes around here that are very popular. And sometimes you have to park like a little bit away, like maybe you have to park 500 meters down, or maybe you park a kilometer from the trailhead. Now, as someone unencumbered by small children or babies, an extra kilometer to the trailhead, you probably didn't even think about that. If you're just walking down the side of the road to get to the trailhead, you're like, no big deal. An extra kilometer with a toddler like that was the whole hike. You're just done now. They've already walked their distance. And so if you have to park somewhere that's kind of quite far away from the trailhead, you might kind of crush some of the momentum of your hike because you don't want them to be like pooped out before you've even started. We have had that happen a couple of times where if it is quite busy somewhere, my husband will just drop me and or whatever children arrangement we have off. He will go dump the car and then he can run back. That makes a lot more sense than trying to get all four of us parked really far away and and then have to kind of meander back to the trailhead.
1: It's really stressful as well walking with your kids around parked cars on a road and we've seen around where we live a lot of a lot of challenges with parking here and access to parks and trails can be really hard so it means that we end up going sometimes really early to avoid that problem so that you're not competing with every other car in the city trying to get to that same place. And in some parts of uh, where we live in BC and in other parts of Canada as well, there's also, you even need passes to get into a lot of parks. So, doing your prep on that kind of thing is really important. One of the worst things you can do is see a really pretty picture on Instagram of somebody with their kid there and think it's a good thing for you and then Google the starting point and just go there. Um, You really need to read, like we said, you know, all of these kind of things and find some trusted websites for your kind of trip planning, you know, that include all of these features that ideally have lots of pictures in them and can help you understand where you should be pulling your weather forecast from because you can see exactly where it is and what elevation the hike is going to be at. So speaking of websites, my personal favorite website that I
0: have used for I think every single hike so far is Vancouver Trails. So if you're in the Vancouver area, and that also covers us a little bit out east of the Fraser Valley, Sunshine Coast, Squamish, all up to Whistler and Pemberton, Vancouver Trails is a really great uh, resource to get started. You can actually sort the hikes by uh, distance and elevation. So that's super handy if you're looking for what's a short, low elevation hike. got almost 200 trails on there, or you can also filter by location. So if you know what you want to hike close to home, or maybe you're looking to explore a new area, you can go to the map and filter by there. And then it's also got all kinds of things like Kate just said, like reviews and photos and the driving distance and where to park. So that's a really great resource. And then certainly if you need more detailed information about weather forecasts or avalanche or avalanche, or anything like that, then go to some of the other sites that we mentioned as well.
1: So it's really important to find up-to-date comments or trail reports or trail conditions. I, In many cases, you know, things like a bridge might be washed out and the p- hike is no longer possible anymore and it might be closed altogether. I've also had a hike. Me and my husband went to do Glacier National Park in BC here and we got to the trailhead and there was a massive sign saying, trail closed we're like oh no come on why i went to the visitor center and they said oh there's a a mother grizzly bear with her two cubs and they're just hanging out right there on the trail and they have been for a few days and they're not moving on so it's not safe like (laughs) okay fair enough That's fair. <laughs> I don't really want to go in there then. So, you know, if you can find that information before you get there, it's all very well to have these situations happen when you're just two people or three adults, two, three adults. But when you've got a kid with you, you just don't want that challenge of having to reassess what you're doing when you get there. Finding as many comments as you can on various websites, or if it's like a national park or a provincial park or a municipal park, sometimes they have trail reports that they publish as well. And finding the most recent one of that that you can can be really helpful.
0: So, there's always... Good to have a plan B. If it's a hike, you're going out and you've hiked a hundred times in a row, like it's your favorite hike, probably not a big issue. If you're driving somewhere new, like you're in a new destination, like you're visiting a new national park, I always try and have a couple of options. Like, okay, this is the target plan for the day. This is the ideal plan. Everything goes well. And then plan B, if things don't go well, maybe it's an alternate hike, an alternate place to drive to in the park. So if you come across the trail is closed sign, because there are some grizzly bears hanging out and you decide you don't want to be eaten by bears today, probably a good plan. Then you've kind of got a fallback plan. And that's just always more important with kids with gen- in general. Oftentimes, you can just kind of be like, oh, we were always planning to go to this trail anyways. We just forgot where it was. And now we're continuing on to somewhere else in the park. So definitely good to kind of have some, some backup plans there. Kind of on the safety note, and maybe I guess kind of the flip side of that is depending on where you travel to and kind of the culture on hiking there, I don't know if this has happened for you, Kate, but I feel like especially when I used to have my toddler on my back, which is when we just had my oldest son people would be amazed that we were out hiking places, like totally shocked. And this may be more in the US than in Canada. And especially that I would be carrying him. Well, you are kind of a big deal, Jen. Like, come on. I mean, you sort of I amazing. Mean, You're just getting the respect <laughs> you deserve. So yes. I mean, it does feel like that. So there were times where sometimes we would ask about hikes or get information and people would be like, oh no, that doesn't seem quite possible with a child. But we had done our research. We felt quite comfortable. Again, we had gotten you know the trail information and often we would just go for it and you know we would always evaluate as we were going on so I guess on kind of the flip side of safety is definitely know the trails, but depending on kind of the local culture around hiking, if you're in a place where not a lot of people are seen hiking with babies, especially maybe a woman carrying a backpack, like don't let yourself be deterred either. There were often trails that we went on where I was like, I felt very comfortable. felt very safe. I was with my husband or even by myself with another mom. And I definitely could do it because I had been hiking enough that I knew it was in my comfort zone. Um, And people were always just like, wow, you're, oh, look at you and a baby." Oh, oh my. I can't believe there's a baby on this trail. And for us, it felt like the most normal thing in the world. I mean, one, you you can't leave your baby. You have to take him. Um, So, you know, there's that. We we can't can't leave him in the car, unfortunately. Basic
1: responsibility. I just kind of had had to to bring the baby.
0: But we had always evaluated the trails, you know, that we were going to be bringing him on and where we were going. So, we had definitely done our research ahead of time and knew that these were trails within our safety and within our comfort zone, um, even though people were really surprised to see us out there.
1: The other thing I think I'd say to, you know, when this probably sounds kind of sad, if you are a big hiker and you're like, how to find a toddler-friendly hike? Okay, I'm looking for one kilometer trails. One, really? One kilometer? But I wouldn't, I think I've been very quick to dismiss these hikes in the past because they're not a hike. One kilometre is not a hike. That's just a, you know, gentle stroll. But when you have kids, and I'm thinking actually there's a photo right behind me here, and it's taken in Strathcona Provincial Park on Vancouver Island. And that hike to that viewpoint there, 0.7 kilometres. And it was short enough that both our kids could walk it themselves. It took us a while to get down to this beautiful waterfall. But it was spectacular and it was the kind of view that you could stay at for ages because it was just such a beautiful spot. And then at the end of that, we walked the 0.7Ks back and that was like our whole morning kind of outing to, to go and do that. So it is kind of this idea that with, when you're hiking with a toddler or toddlers, their perspective on things and their pace really changes how you see things i would never have bothered to do this if i was you know just by myself or with another adult i would have been doing the hikes that go way up the mountain and i'd like to go back and do these at some point because they look epic but i would have been way up the mountain near the very top of the mountain in the snow and would have just passed the 0.7k hike completely pie so just something to think about that like it doesn't just because it's short it doesn't mean it's going to be lame (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, and it, it's such a limited period of time as well, too. Like, already my my five year old now. Like, we've hiked some four and five kilometers hike. Um, we'll actually have an episode coming up where Kate's toddler went on an overnight backcountry <laughs> camping trip. So we'll talk about that hike um, on a different episode. But things we we do get to go longer and longer distances. Like, I think when we were looking ahead as parents. I knew there was going to be this point where as soon as like when our kid was in the backpack, and we'll talk about some hikes for kids in the backpack a little bit later, we could hike a little bit farther. And so we knew when they first started walking two and three, those ages were going to be tough, a little bit caring, a little bit walking. But already now my five-year-olds, when motivated properly, and if you want to know how to get motivated, listen to to our previous episode on the three S's for how to keep a toddler moving. Already we can easily hike four and five kilometers, I would say sometimes it's more painful than other times. And sometimes we can bang out 5K and we're having an awesome day. We're with a friend, and the sun is shining and everything's everything's good. So don't get so discouraged by hearing one kilometer and think, oh gosh, this is it forever. In fact, we always have this joke when we're hiking that we're, we're training to hike Mount Everest. And so today we're putting in the kilometers because one day, um, it truly is a dream of mine to hike to base camp at Mount Everest. To clarify, I do not actually want to summit Mount Everest. A little too cold for me. But I would love to hike to base camp uh, with my kids. And so we often talk about that when we're out hiking, that one day we'll keep getting bigger and stronger and we'll keep using our body and moving our legs as we best we can so that one day we could do something like that, you know, and it really is just one step at a time. So if you're in those in-between ages where like a one-kilometer hike feels like all that you can manage, totally fair. But it does, it does get better. It does get better. It does get easier.
1: It's just like one day at a time, one, one hike at a time, and you kind of just keep you know, pushing through it. We'd love to hear about where it is that you're hiking. Um, and if you have any questions about any of these places, you can find us on Instagram at Get Outside With Kids. Always welcome to ask us questions. We'll also drop in all of the places that we've mentioned into the show notes because we've probably mentioned a lot today, actually, um, and about some of our favorite places to go hiking with toddlers.
0: Make sure you subscribe to Get Outside With Kids wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Get Outside With Kids. We hope you'll follow along on our journey.